0: Turn to the to the Bible to page um, 76 and to the book of Exodus and we're reading chapters um, chapter 19 from verses 1 to the end and uh, Sam is going to begin that reading for us.
1: On the third day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai After they set out from Rafton, they entered the desert of Sinai, and the Israelites camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did, to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession (coughs) although the whole earth is mine you will be you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words you are to speak to the israelites so the so moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the lord had commanded him to speak the lord then the people all responded together we will do everything the lord has said so moses brought their answer back to the lord the lord said to moses i am going to come with you you, come to you in a dense cloud, so the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai." in a sight in the sight of all the people put that day put that day the the lord will come down on, on mount sinai and see this put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death they are to be stoned or shot with arrows Not a hand is to be laid on them, not a person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain yourself from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you, have, you, you yourself have warned us. Put limits around the mountain, and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, this is the word of the Lord.
0: Super, thanks very much both of you for reading for us. Now let me start with a question. Have you ever been in the presence of someone who's really scary? Have you ever been in the presence of someone who's really scary? Thanks Hitton. Um, When I was at secondary school, My headmaster was um, called Mr. Moore, and uh, Mr. Moore was super scary. Uh, He had an office at the end of an office where all the deputy heads uh, had their offices, and then uh, at the end of this corridor, there was a little carpeted area, and uh, there were some armchairs, and I think maybe some plastic pot plants, and then there was the door to Mr. Moore's office. And uh, when you went up to Mr. Moore's office, um, you had to knock or I think maybe you had to press a buzzer and then what I do know is there was a traffic light system outside his door and uh, you would either get green to say come in or you would get amber to say wait or you would get red to say go away and then come back again. <laughs> if you were going to see Mr. Moore you would be quaking in your boots. Um, now uh, these days, head teachers uh, are probably a lot more accessible and friendly. But Mr. Moore was a distant and scary figure. You would be quaking in your boots if you had to go and see him. And I guess there aren't many figures like that today, either. We're a, we're a more friendly society in lots of ways. We don't like authority figures so much. But I suppose it might be a little bit like if you're a business person uh, going to see Lord Sugar and being terrified in case he says to you, you're fired. Or uh, I guess if you wanted to be a pop star, it might be like going to see this man, Simon Cowell. Or if you're an aspiring chef, maybe it would be Gordon Ramsay and you'd be terrified of him screaming uh, uh, expletives at you. I suspect we don't tend to see God much like this these days, do we? The New Testament message of God as a loving father is so ingrained that maybe we're inclined more to see him as a kind of kindly uncle or even as a mate. He's with us anywhere. We don't need to kneel or wear special clothes. Churches advertise outside. Come as you are. And of course, there's truth in all of those things. But unless we grasp The utter holiness of God will never appreciate the privilege of being able to have a relationship with him. Let me say that again. Unless we grasp the utter holiness of God, we'll never truly appreciate the privilege of relationship with him. We're coming back, as Terry has, has said, to the book of Exodus. And through the autumn, we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments that God gave to his people, the Israelites. But today, um, we're preparing the grounds by seeing just what a big thing it was for a holy God to meet with his people. Of course, it wasn't always like this. When um, God first made man and woman, he walked freely with them in the Garden of Eden. But that free and easy relationship was ruined the moment Eve and Adam rebelled against God and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God banished them from his presence and sent them out wandering east of Eden. And now in the first half of Exodus, God has rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them into the wilderness as they make their way towards the promised land but that's only half of what he promised to do they're rescued from slavery to their enemies but they're rescued for relationship with god and so as they arrive at mount sinai they begin to see what it means for a holy god to meet with his people exodus 19 is an invitation to meet The holy God. Did you see as we read through that chapter all the things that emphasise how scary it is. They're going to meet with him on a mountain. In fact the same mountain where God had met with Moses uh, in the burning bush back in chapter 3. Mountains have always been seen as holy places in all sorts of cultures uh, through all sorts of times of history. Mountains are seen as holy places. Why? Well, because they're almost touching the heavens. Even to this day, the uh, Himalayas are called the roof of the world. And God tells Moses to put boundaries around the mountain. Did you see that in verse 12? God says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. It's literally a a life and death situation. I'm going to turn that off as it's crackling. Um, It's a life and death situation. Death was the punishment for the sin and uh, the fall. And so we're reminded that there's a fundamental problem with a holy God meeting with his unholy people. They're told to consecrate themselves, that is wash their clothes so that they will be as clean as possible uh, for coming to meet with God's. This is like straightening your tie and and checking your hair before going to meet Mr. Moore, my old head teacher. Again, we think of Moses' first trip to this mountain where he was told to take off his sandals because the place where he was standing was holy ground. They're going to meet with God on the third day. Often in the Bible, really important things happen on the third day. It emphasises the need to prepare the anticipation that builds up to it. The most famous thing to happen on the third day was another time when God met with his people. Except on that occasion, rather than God coming down to meet with his people, he rose up from the dead on Easter morning. And then what happens on this third day? Well, let me read again from verse 16. And I want us just to imagine that we're there with them at the foot of Mount Sinai in the wilderness, washed and ready on the third day to meet with our gods. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. It sounds like all the most scary natural phenomena all happening at once. Thunder and lightning and thick clouds. Smoke and fire like a volcano erupting. The whole mountain shaking violently and then a trumpet sounding louder and louder like the beginning of a great battle. This is what it's like to come into the presence of the Holy God. If you realise that, the earth-shaking, burning holiness of God come down to his people. We find it so hard to imagine today, don't we? We so easily take for granted our easy access to our Heavenly Father. Sometimes I have to remind my kids, I have to remind myself when we say a short prayer before a mealtime, we're speaking with the mighty creator of the universe. But unless we grasp the holiness of God, we will never appreciate the privilege of relationship with him. When the Israelites met with the holy God, they didn't struggle to stay awake, as I often do, when I meet with him in prayer. Their minds didn't wander. They didn't take for granted their easy and comfortable encounter. Now, what does it say in verse 16? Everyone in the camp trembled. I bet they did. It's a frightening thing to meet with the Holy God. Have you grasped the holiness of God? The frightening thing it is to come into his presence or to have him come down to us. We were caught in a thunderstorm the other day, last weekend. A couple of the kids who were with us were a bit scared of the thunder. But imagine what it would have been like to be there on the third day at Sinai when the Lord descended on the mountain remember the panic of the people on the news a a few weeks ago as they were fleeing wildfires in Hawaii or in Canada imagine what it would be like to be caught up in a volcano explosion or an earthquake meeting with the holy God is like all of these things rolled together have you grasped the holiness of God's When we grasp the utter holiness of God, it drives us to respond to him more faithfully. We've already seen, haven't we, how the Israelites had to do whatever they could to make themselves holy, washing their clothes and so on. But there's something else in particular that they need to do. I wonder if you noticed it as we read that passage. Let's focus in now on verses 4 and 5 and 6. We're told in these verses that we need to listen as privileged people. Let me pick up in verse three. Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you're to say to the descendants of Jacob, the people of Israel. Verse four, he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenants then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Lord emphasises that they're rescued for relationship. Maybe you remember the words that Moses was given to say to Pharaoh in Egypt. Let my people go. Why? That they may worship me. Rescued from Captivity for devotion to the Lord. And God has done the first bit. He's carried them out of Egypt on eagle's wings, metaphorically speaking. But now he promises them a special, a privileged relationship with him. He calls them a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. They're blessings that are repeated for all Christian people, In the New Testament, the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, each of those phrases speaks of a special, a privileged relationship with the maker of the universe. And they hint at a special privileged role in relation to the rest of humanity. As royal priests, they will represent the king of the universe to other nations, they will be a holy nation, set apart from every other nation, a living demonstration of what it means to be the people of God. And there's a response that's required. It's there in verse 5. God says through Moses, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations. You will be my treasure possession. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, the Israelites have an obligation. They're called God's holy nation if they listen and obey and live holy lives. They will be royal priests, enjoying privileged access to God and representing Him to everyone else, but only if they conduct themselves rightly. In the next chapter, God is going to start telling them how he wants to do that, starting with the Ten Commandments. But before he tells them how to live, he reveals just how holy he is, just why it's so necessary. And if you had been there at Sinai, if I had been there at Sinai, we would have been trembling and listening and determined to obey as well. Exodus 19 establishes the ground rules, the context for the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And it establishes something else too. It establishes for the Israelites how they will hear the Lord. That's the point of verse 9 of our passage. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you, singular." in the dense cloud, so that the people will hear me speaking with you, Moses, and will always put their trust in you. God comes in thunder and lightning and uh, the smoke and the fire and the loud trumpet and the mighty earthquake so that the Israelites will hear him speaking to Moses. Moses needs to be accredited so that they will trust him as God's messenger. We still know God's message to the Israelites today because Moses passed on to us the Ten Commandments and the rest of the laws that he revealed to him at Sinai. And we have a greater messenger. The endorsement of God on Moses is a taster in advance of God commending to us the greater messenger, Jesus Christ. Just think of God's words at the Mount of Transfiguration, his words about Jesus. When when Jesus was transfigured, his clothes became supernaturally clean, as bright as the lightning at Sinai. And God said out of the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. So Exodus chapter 19 sets the scene for the giving of the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. It sets the scene for the instructions for building the tabernacle, that tent in the wilderness, which was like a mobile Mount Sinai as God lived in the midst of his people, the holy God somehow living in the midst of his unholy people. But it also sets up for us the much bigger questions of the whole of the rest of the Bible, how can such a blazingly, terrifyingly holy God live with unclean people like us? As we read on, we find that the Israelites fail time and time again to obey God's specific instructions to Moses about how to live in his dangerous presence. Today we have the fulfilment of his promise. We Christian people today claim that privilege of being his treasured possession, his royal priests, his holy nation. The rest of the Bible story tells us how God provided the way through his ultimate revelation in his son, Jesus Christ. His cleansing death for the sins of the world, his rising from the dead on the third day to bring new creation. We can't go into all of those things today. If you haven't heard that message, please keep coming back and hearing more. It's the best message in the world. Or ask me afterwards or a Christian friend afterwards. For each of us today, I want us to grasp the holiness of the living God And therefore the privilege of being able to call him Father and have him live with us and to look forward to living with him in his place for eternity. I'm going to pause just for a moment so that you can imagine again being with the Israelites on that mountain. Maybe you want to... Cast your eye again over verses 16, 17, and 18, that description of the thunder and lightning and cloud, the smoke and fire and earthquake, the trumpets growing louder and louder. And then in a moment, I'm going to close with a few words from the New Testament, from Hebrews chapter 12, which go beyond the revelation at Sinai. And they just give us a glimpse of the greater blessings that we enjoy today under the new covenant. Let's just pause to reflect on all that we've seen today. Hebrews chapter 12. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that it's burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begs that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Therefore, it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence, And awe for our God is a consuming fire.